Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chels, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Jackie from Houston, I have Rahul here from Connecticut, and Alex from Maine. Guys, how are you doing? Very good, and yourself? Good, good. It's going to be an exciting episode today. We're going to start off with a review of the Super Cup. All right, guys, let's jump right into the Champions of Europe Part 2, because it doesn't get any better than this. Rahul, do you want to get us through the starting 11 that thrashed this team? <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. So Mendy in goal. Uh, Chaloba made the defense on the right-hand side. Kurtzuma played the middle, and then Rudiger on the left. Uh, Hudson Adore, right wing back. Angolo Conte, Kovacic, and Alonso. Uh, Hakim Ziyech, Kai Havertz, and Timo Werner up top. So I think we got that front three close. Pulisic didn't get to start, but he did come on later. I'll let Alex talk about that in a few minutes here. Uh, Chaloba starting up in the back. That's pretty good for him. I know we were talking about Christiansen, maybe Thiago Silva. So good for the young man to start in a Super League, Super Cup final. I'm sorry, we don't talk about Super League over here. <laughs> we don't talk about that. Yeah, we don't talk about that here. Alex, do you want to take us through the game uh, maybe for a few minutes here? Yeah, sure. It, so it... it... I will say it wasn't the best Chelsea game I've watched, but they don't all have to be pretty. The trophy's there. The trophy's in the bag. So the first half was actually quite quite good from us in terms of work rate. Um, Hakim Ziyech was going crazy. He was dropping pinpoint passes. We should have had more goals with the crosses he was putting in on set pieces, but he had a tidy little finish uh, from close range to make it 1-0 to the Blues. Um, and... That lead held for a while. Uh, we were looking quite good, honestly. We just really needed to, to step things up a little bit. And unfortunately, just when we really needed to, to keep that energy level high, we had an unfortunate injury to our Moroccan wizard who had been playing extremely well. Um, Pulisic came on and got some minutes. He hadn't been planning to start, but he came on um, a good chunk of the way through the first half to replace Hakim. Um, we went into the second half, everything was, was looking okay, but we really had let our energy levels drop, which I think it has to be said, it's still essentially preseason. It's right. August. The Prem hasn't started yet. These players are slowly getting their form and fitness back. Uh, but we conceded a goal. Um, wasn't ideal. We'd conceded a couple chances before that as well. Mendy made a couple fantastic stops. Um, made up for an error that he made as well uh, with a brilliant 1v1 stop. So overall, we were we were getting the job done. We weren't quite competing, I don't think, with, with the same uh, intensity that we have in some matches. But we got to penalties through extra time. Um, and when the pressure was on, the boys stepped up. They delivered. We had our very own uh my my personal favorite captain america banging another penalty in and in, in in crunch time captain clutch came up with the goods again uh Jorginho was cool slotted his away uh, so overall um i thought this was a perfectly fine way to start the season silverware thomas tuchel proving yet again he's the real deal uh the boys went out they got it done and it wasn't the prettiest but i personally enjoyed watching them lift yet another trophy and it was a good tough competition to get us really up to speed for the start of the premier league season yeah as did i champions of europe part two rahul i think one thing we want to talk about is 
Tuchel substituting Kepa in for the penalties, maybe? Yeah, that was an interesting substitution. I don't think I've seen something like that happen since the World Cup in 2014, I believe, uh, when Van Hal substituted a goalie on for the penalty kicks. I guess Sarri tried to do it and it didn't work. Um, <laughs> but Kepa showed you why today that, you know, he backed himself and credit to him. He did a great job. And this isn't the first time he's done it. He actually did the same thing in the Europa League semifinal against Frankfurt at the bridge where he came up clutch. So he's got it in him and, and he delivered when it mattered the most. Yeah, it's exciting, guys, because we've this trophy has eluded us for several kind of seasons now, depending on whether we won the Champions League or the Europa Cup. And we've won it a few times here. So it's maybe it's a little bit of a monkey off our back here. Maybe it's good signs for the new season. Thoughts, Alex? Well, all I'm going to say is if 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 it's sextuple season, <laughs> this is the way to start. There's no better way than than getting us off rolling with silverware. But I definitely think it's a good one to have in the bag. I don't think, I mean, it feels like we just won something amazing, which we did. It's a European trophy. Who's complaining? There are some clubs, I won't name them, who would kill to have a Super Cup in their cabinet. But um, to win the Super Cup. <laughs> Well, to win the Super Cup, you have to win a, a, a different European trophy beforehand, which is off the table for some of our competitors. So I, I see nothing nothing really to pick apart too heavily with this performance. I saw some of our boys put in great shifts. Some weren't quite at their very best, but the season essentially hasn't even started yet. So give them time. Um, and if if all are bad, or I won't even say bad, if all of our maybe lackluster or average performances end up in silverware. Who's complaining? Well, I'll come back to you for wrapping up thoughts on the Super Cup. But Alex, I want to stick with you for just a second. Thoughts on some hate Christian Pulisic is receiving online. Maybe you can defend him and clear the air over here. Yeah, it's I, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just a vocal minority and it's overblown a little bit from the the classic social media toxic nature. But I definitely seen a lot of people singling out Christian Pulisic, who, to be fair, did not drop his best performance. It was not a 10 out of 10. Um, it wasn't even, I would say, a 7 out of 10. But he created a couple good chances. He came on when asked after Ziyech had an unfortunate injury. He slotted away his penalty uh, to in the crucial uh, shootout, and we won the trophy. So a, a lot of a lot of big accounts stirring the pot on Twitter that I saw and claiming, oh, Pulisic is looking terrible right now. The, 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 the fact is, none of our players looked outstanding. I thought Ziyech looked great in the first half. Unfortunately, that got cut short by an injury. But Timo Werner didn't really do much. Mount didn't really do much. Pulisic wasn't able to do too much. They all tried. They all put in a good shift. They put in the effort. They got the minutes under their belt. They got us to penalties, and they got the trophy. So, I just don't think there's any real reason to be too negative about any performances. Some players weren't amazing, but I mean, that's, this is for all intents and purposes, preseason, the form uh, will come, but the results are already here. Yeah, it is preseason. I'll take the trophy in preseason. Raul, you're wrapping up thoughts on the cup before we move on to the premier league. No, like you said, we hadn't won it since 98, uh, a few tough defeats to take in, in this competition and last two being in the penalty. So it's good to finally come around and win it. Uh, and, you know, like you guys have been saying, performance at this part doesn't really matter. It's just getting fit. And if you add a trophy to it, and in the case of Jorginho and Emerson, if you add a third European trophy to your <laughs> uh, collection, that's not a bad way to start a new season. 
Yeah, so to wrap it up, Champions of Europe Part 2, in Georgina Emerson's case, Part 3. But guys, let's move on to the Premier League. All right, guys, now that we covered that, let's talk about the Premier League preview. And we are playing Crystal Palace. And I think I actually got this one right. I actually called that we were going to talk about play Crystal Palace first game of the season. So, Rahul, your thoughts on this game and opening up with them? Yeah, you did get it right. And exciting to be just starting up again. Uh, it's been a long summer, but not really because we had the Euros, we had Copa America. But the last month has kind of been a little bit slow. So it's good to have Premier League back. It's good to have fans back at Premier League grounds. Uh, and yeah, Crystal Palace at the bridge is the first game. It's going to be exciting. and everyone's going to be looking forward to it. So can't wait to be waking up early on Saturday mornings again. I mean, if I have to wake up early, it has to be for Premier League. That's <laughs> definitely worth it. But why don't we jump right into predicted 11, Raul? Do you want to take us through that? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, Mendy continues in goal. He's been pretty much solid throughout preseason. Uh, Zuma, Christensen, and Rudiger. I think last episode I said Christensen may not be ready, but given that he may have some more time, uh, and he may have, you know, um, been a little bit more t- up to speed in training. I think he plays. I think Reese James comes back too. Conte, Kovacic, Chilwell continue. Uh, Kai, Timo Werner, and Pulisic. But if we want, we could be giving Lukaku a debut. So not a bad option to have, guys. Yeah, that's that's always a good option to have coming off. Uh, a recent transfer I think it's going to be interesting I personally biased as I am think it will be a crime not to start uh, the owner of Crystal Palace himself Mr. Christian Pulisic Christian Palace you could maybe say <laughs> um, he just finds another level when he's playing them I think it will be a crime not to play him but we'll see um, and obviously we do have to factor that uh, Super Cup form into there and you know what's going to be good, Alex? We talked a lot about this last season is Pulisic never really got a good run of games, like back to back to back. And when he did, he actually did perform very well, very well. And so hopefully he gets to kick off the season with that run of games and show that he is the number one and he can hold on to that spot and he can stay fit. Because I think, and we've said this before, and I don't want to, don't want to jinx him right now. I think on his day, he's probably one of the best players out there coming in from the wing and he's just excellent. So that's going to be exciting. A couple of things we haven't talked about, guys, is Crystal Palace have new management in place, and that is Patrick Vieira. Rahul, I think you know that name very, very well. Some of the major, major matchups we saw between Chelsea and Arsenal growing up was with that lanky, strong Frenchman in the middle, and he seems to dominate midfields. Do you think he can dominate from the touchline? I think he can, and I think Palace is a good opportunity for him. Uh, they were under Roy Hodgson, who had done very well, but they were also an aging squad. So Vera has come in and made some changes, uh, and namely in Mark Quahy from Chelsea, and, and is trying to refresh that squad, that back line. Uh, and I think with the right support, which he's obviously getting right now, and just patience, uh, which Palace usually do give their managers some time, I think he could do good. And this is the kind of the next level in his progression. He was in the MLS. He was in, I believe, in France and the league. Nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so now he's coming to the Premier League and he's kind of doing it right where he's working his way up. Uh, and, you know, all the best to him. He, like you said, was a very, very good midfielder. And uh, it's probably good for the squad to have someone with the experience of playing in the Premier League. 
Right. Yeah. And speaking of that squad, Alex, they've got rid of like 10 players. And when I may, when I say get rid of guys, I got to clarify some have been out of contract, some were released, some were loaned, some were sold, of course, and they've only signed four. So they are light on experience. And when I say experience, Andrew Townsend is gone. Gary Cahill is gone. Nathaniel Klein is gone. So some big names out there that were really holding down that team and their, and their history is kind of out of there now. So your thoughts on Patrick Vieira and what he's going to be able to do with this relatively new squad? It'll be very interesting to see how he gets on. Now, part of me, the Chelsea fan in me, would say, I'd love us to show that uh, Super <laughs> Frank was not indeed, uh, I don't know, maybe show that he's levels above even in management. Who knows? Um, but he's certainly quality player. I'm sure he's going to do good things. He certainly has the opportunity to remains to be seen whether he adjusts the PL level of competition. But right. we also have our, our very own Mark Gahey, uh coming from uh, Chelsea to Palace. That's going to be an interesting one. See if he makes us pay. Uh, I, I don't know if he's going to start. I would assume, I, I could not tell you honestly uh, what Palace's starting lineup is going to look like. Do you guys think he's going to be a starter for them? I would assume so, Rahul. Your thoughts? Gary Cahill's out now. He was one of their big players at center back and Nathaniel Klein at right back is gone as well. And Patrick Van Anholt as well. So they're well, light in the defensive too. line. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and Mamadou Sako. So they've yeah. kind of let a few defensive defensive players go. And I think Mark way, he did make that move to play. And I think he's obviously in line to be a starter, at least at the start of the season. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Hopefully, hopefully new Chelsea signings. Uh, Romelu uh, <laughs> over, overshadow the, the recent Chelsea releases, but best of yeah. luck to him, I, I suppose, on the season long scale. Yeah, I was just going to ask you guys a question. So we've seen under Tuchel kind of the front three just interchanging and kind of playing different roles within that front three. Lukaku, to me, uh, no disrespect to him, kind of seems like the focal point, you know, that main player that is there. And then everyone around him obviously kind of rotates. But do you guys think, let's say he's playing with the Pulisic and Havertz, Lukaku floats out to the left and Pulisic goes in? Or, do you know, do you expect more of interchanging? Or it's kind of Lukaku's the guy and everyone else kind of does what they have to yeah, for me personally, I think Lukaku's the guy and everybody does what they're supposed to. And, and here's the reason why. I think that we targeted that type of player. We're looking at Holland early on and then Lukaku. Those are players that are typically center forwards and really hold down the line, running through the middle, middle, physical, aggressive, good in the air. Why did we do this? I think last season we struggled for a plan B. Uh, not just under Lampard, but under Tuchel was we're playing the false nine. We did have we did have center forwards, but for whatever reason, Tuchel never really trusted them or put his faith in them. And so when there's time for plan B, it was either, okay, Pulisic is going to play false nine or Timo is going to play false nine or Kai is going to play false nine. And hopefully one of them will score. And for the most part, guys, I think we did really well playing the false nine, but we never really saw a four nail, five nail, six nail thrashing under that type of style of play. And so I think what he's doing with Lukaku is, A, I need somebody who's going to smash the ball in the net. And B, I need a plan B. Sorry to say it that way. It comes out a little bit funky. But you really do need a plan B, meaning that maybe Lukaku will be plan A and plan B is rotating those strikers out. Yeah, I think it's certainly going to be interesting to see how he fits into the squad. I was just trying to find um, uh, an old post I'd made during that game, that infamous West Brom defeat. Um, when I think we lost 5-2, uh, 
Um, but we actually out out scored quote unquote West Brom on my favorite metric of expected goals. Um, now I know there are plenty of plenty of of quotes out there about people who don't understand football use stats to analyze. <laughs> but I came out from that game, and at the time I I, I have all along been a big advocate for Erling Holland or really just any clinical finisher because I said the problem and posted a picture of the stats and the solution with being a swipe to the face of Erling Holland. Right. Now I think that goes for pretty much any striker who can just consistently put the ball in the net because even on a game like that, that we all regarded as a disaster class, we were a man down, we were defensively in shambles. We, on on the chances created by each team, we could have we could have finessed our way to a result. So that I think is what we've been lacking sometimes, and that's what distinguishes title winners from title contenders. Is that title winners don't always play a fantastic game, but they scrape results when it's needed. And we just have not had that. You could say luck sometimes in that there were some VAR decisions that went against us, but that's happened to all teams. So I would say we just need that last little bit of a push, a clinical edge, something to put us over the top when a game isn't going exactly according to plan. And to your point, Jackie, of the plan B, I think it's big having Lukaku because previously maybe when we're not getting anything done with our playmaking, we would throw on Giroud, who to his credit was absolutely class at his, at his physical aerial ability. He was always a good second option. But this way with Lukaku on the pitch, you have someone who you can both play in build-up, play in transition, and if it gets late, he's already on the pitch for you to just lob balls into right. in the box. So he is a very well-rounded player. He's been developing his skills, and I am super excited to see where he is. And I, I suppose to answer the original question uh, at the end of this long-winded reply, I do think we form the team around him to some degree, and that's where I'm excited. I think Timo got a good run out last season. I think he could still have a very good season this year, but I want to see us use a few more of our playmaking style players. That's Polisic, that's Ziek, that's Havertz. Um, Mount too, I suppose, though he could go a little deeper too um, around Lukaku to see if we can really feed the beast. Yeah, you know what? And Alex, even though you gave us that rounded answer, I think it's good for the analysis to understand where everything's coming from. It makes a lot of sense because... Uh, I, I hate to bring up Tammy Abraham because he's given us a lot of service, but we talked about him quite a bit is he misses quite a few chances to get his chance. And so I think with full respect to Tammy, because I'd hate for us to say Salman, he comes back in, in a few years, but I think that he needs to go develop his football and, and maybe come back potentially. And that's what Lukaku did was he was very young when he came in and yes, we want him to play. Yes. We saw the potential, but really seeing him squeeze ahead of Drogba was not going to happen. So he went out, it took a lot longer to come home, I must admit, for, for Lukaku. I know we took several chances for him to to come back home, but he, he's finally home. And to start off the season, if he gets his first game, I think there's no better way to start against Crystal Palace. It's a London derby of sorts. So you get to see that fiery, ready-to-go, full stadium of fans, which is like we've needed this for over a year now. And for Tuchel and, and a Premier League run, Again, with full respect to Palace, I think this is a good way to start. I think he can really do some damage and maybe show us what he's been working on preseason. I've seen he's played with two strikers. I've seen he's played a little more fluidity. So it's going to be interesting. And Rahul, with that in mind, maybe give us a scoreline prediction. And if you're you're feeling a little bit more excited, maybe who would score those goals? 
Yeah, so I, I agree with both of you guys and, and thanks for answering the question. Um, based on, you know, just starting the, the season off right and starting the league intending to win it, I think we're going to go 3-0. Uh, and in terms of who scores, I'm going to go for a Lukaku debut girl. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm going to go one bet. I'm going to go for a Lukaku debut hat trick. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> we're putting a lot of faith in him very early on. Alex, your thoughts on scoreline and maybe who would score well last time we played them i believe uh, a little later in the season i think was the scoreline 4-1 at the end of it i thought it was 4-0 but can i remember i feel like they scraped a late one against us um i i'm not sure maybe someone could check me on that but yeah i'm checking i know within within 10 minutes we were 2-0 up on them um and it was Polisic and havertz combining to do a madness I think personally, um, and I'm a huge fan of Mason Mount. Um, there you go. Yeah. I, in, in almost my own biased way, I feel like Mason Mount, as the season progresses due to simply his work ethic, his fitness, his ability to defend as well as attack, I think he becomes undroppable during those crucial middle uh, games of the season, during those, those heavy runs where you just have game after game after game. Mount almost makes himself undroppable during those times. I would love to see at the beginning of the season, especially against a team like Palace, where we know we can score goals. I would love to see some of these more flashy, creative players because Mount is Mount is plenty creative, but I would love to see Polisic with his dribbling and chance creation. I would love to see Havertz, who linked up brilliantly with Polisic last time we played Palace. Um, I'd love to see Ziek get a chance out there. Um, for at least some minutes against them because he's been blowing it away uh, in preseason. I want to see some of our more typical creators, you could say, trying to feed Lukaku ideally. If not, that was one game we had great success with a Havertz false nine, I believe, and I'd love to see that again. So it sounds like I heard four independent goal scorers there, which I'm okay with. It's fine (laughs) to spread the love. That'll be de- definitely decent. And and to touch on your point, Alex, I think Mount is a little more direct compared to some of these other players. And, and I don't disagree with you. I think Mason Mount is also the kind of guy that's going to want to play every game. But guys, we have a lot of football to play this year. So I think if he's going to sit out a couple of games and Alex, to your point, play for with all respect, a, a slightly weakened Crystal Palace and let the flair players kind of come up and turn up and get some confidence. Why not? I'm OK with that. Uh, I'm going to go with a four nail result as well. I think I'm agreeing with Alex here. Maybe Lukaku, maybe ha- Havertz, maybe Timo Werner might get one, but most definitely I think Christian Pulisic needs to get a goal on that one as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting as well because I'm just looking at our schedule after Crystal Palace, we've got Arsenal, we've got Liverpool, we then have Villa, then we have Tottenham, <laughs> then we have City. So we're playing four of the big six inside five games um, with Aston Villa, who are not going to be any small feat given some of the really ambitious signings they've been making. So we are looking at a game against Crystal Palace to hopefully, and you can't, it's the Premier League, you can't write this off, hopefully gain some confidence with a good result there, because then we're looking at five straight, potentially very tough games in a row. So that's it's going to be uh, really thrown into the fire to begin the season. But hey, wouldn't want it any other way for the European champions. No, and it's it's 
maybe it's a good thing to get it out of the way early on so that as we get towards the busy period and the Christmas period, we've got some of those difficult fixtures out of the way. But Rahul, wrapping up some thoughts on the Crystal Palace game, and maybe you can take us into the game you teased a couple of episodes ago. Yeah, so I, I was going to mention some of the fixtures Alex mentioned. So the Palace game is crucial in terms of getting a good start and kind of building up for some of the tougher fixtures to come. But yeah, uh, you know, the Premier League is back and that's what you get is no game's easy and it doesn't matter who it is. So it's exciting, but it's also a little nervy because you it's you just don't know. Um, but we move on and we finally are doing our Premier League prediction. And you may have seen it on our Instagram. We had put it up in a bunch of categories here where we'll all give you our predictions and we'll I'll read out some of the predictions I got from Instagram and uh, it should be good fun and we'll see who obviously we, I got to wait a few months to see who gets it right. But along the way, we'll keep in, keep on checking in and, and see how it's going. So we'll start off with the first category here and it's always about who's going to win it. Uh, so Alex, I will start with you. I'm guessing the background is your answer. <laughs> I, you know, I, I try not to be too biased when analyzing these kinds of things. But it's 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 so difficult to bet against Chelsea when we've just when since I, I don't know exactly how the tables looked. I know I've seen some graphics of since Tuchel came in um, Chelsea, I think we're maybe second or third in the Premier League table, um, but also won the Champions League increased in form. If we're adding Lukaku to it and potentially a couple more signings, obviously we have we still have some some links to a certain uh, Kunde who could be a fantastic addition to the back line. We had a really, really, really good defense under Tuchel. And we know we have unbelievable attacking talent. Um, so when you add Lukaku to that, you have a good defense, you have a good offense, you have Conte on a, I, I, I won't stir the pot too much, but you have Conte and Jorginho both on Ballon d'Or shout seasons. However credible you want to say those shouts are. I mean, you've got, world-class midfielders a world-class defensive record and you're signing a world-class striker to an already talented attack with Mendy who's been absurdly good since he came in I think he set a record for um the one of those many records either (laughs) quickest to a certain number of clean sheets or lowest goals conceded percentage for a new signing goalkeeper who knows um all I'm saying is we're stacked so I'm going Chelsea here. It might be my heart just as much as my head, but I'm I'm back in our boys. And and that's fair. I mean, we are the premier Chelsea, and we've got to back our boys. But uh, Jackie, who have you gone for? <laughs> you know, it's it's tough to follow what Alex said. I think he said every, everything so eloquently. I think he described what we here feel at the Premier Chelsea. And so, there's no other team for me that's going to win the Premier League other than Chelsea. Following the signings following the high of winning the champions league and if we can start right it's going to be our season yeah i know i, I know we are the premier charles Rahul. who have you gone for? <laughs> i was gonna say in the interest of keeping things different and i i agree with you i think as for the club for chelsea winning the premier league has to be the aim this season because we haven't won it since 2017 right and by the time next this season ends it's going to be five years and i think that's probably the longest they've gone under roman so uh, very crucial for Chelsea, but I've gone with Manchester City. Um, trying to keep things different, but also just looking at that squad, looking at Pep and the addition that is yet to come 
in Harry Kane uh, may may not happen, but if it does, it's very tough to see beyond them in terms of goal scoring, defending like they did last season, and how well they keep that ball. It's going to be tough to to look past them. I wish that we lived closer so one of you guys could help pull the knife out of my back that Raul has just stabbed right there. <laughs> Look, no, you make some good points. Uh, Manchester City have been, and always in the last recent history, a, a team that have a lot of strength, a lot of players. They invest heavily. They have a good manager. So definitely one that's going to be in and around there. And so we'll wait till the end of the season to see how that plays out. Yeah, definitely. So we've spoken about the winners the main other i mean the other important thing that comes up during the season is who's going to be in top 4 and if you can win the league then top 4 is the next aim and so uh, i guess from you guys we and myself we already have one of the top 4 so the other three positions Jackie I'll let you go first here is who do you think makes those three spots yep of course so i've gone with chelsea as number 1 manchester city number 2 manchester united number 3 and Leicester coming in in number four. Wow, so no, that red side of Mersey's, uh, I mean, Merseyside and no team from there? There's the, the Merseyside and the uh, white side of London, I'll say. We wouldn't call their name right now. They, they may come up in another question later on. So okay. no, that's what I'm going with now. I don't think Liverpool have strengthened enough based on last season. I think Jurgen Klopp has a lot of talent as a manager. I think he's done great while he's been at Liverpool. I think that sometimes he gets too distracted with things that are outside his control and that leads to his downfall. So that's going to be interesting. And the white side of, of London, if they lose their striker, they have a new manager, it's going to be tough to see them in the top four. All right. Alex, how about you? I think personally, having also gone with Chelsea to win it, I could see Manchester United uh, on good form outperforming Manchester City. And that's, it all does sort of come down to a couple signings because I think as much as Manchester city, yes, they did win the league last season without um, you could say uh, you're a traditional number nine. They obviously had Aguero, but weren't playing him for a large part of the season. He wasn't available. I think um, they just need Harry Kane. Uh, If they add Harry Kane to the team that won the premier league last year, um, they will probably be the odds on favorites I still think Chelsea could overcome that but Manchester United for me have the right pieces especially after did they finish um were they second last season yeah they were so uh, even in in some seasons that have been trophyless disappointing for the fans a lot of speculation whether Ole is is qualified enough to lead them they're quietly picking up points. They've got the quality. Um, they've shown an ability to scrape late results, which has always just been crucial. Um, something that as a Chelsea fan, I've been frustrated with our inability to do at times. I think United uh, could outperform City, but if City add Kane, it's certainly tough to see them slipping. So I think both sides of Manchester make the top four. Um, and I also have Leicester in there as well. Um Honestly, that one might be more of a, I wouldn't say heart than head decision because there's not too much love for Leicester in here after that FA Cup (laughs) final. Uh, But I just don't see Liverpool strengthening where they need to. I don't see Spurs gelling where they need to. And I certainly don't see Arsenal uh, putting on an impressive uh, push for Champions League football. So 
for me, it's Chelsea, both Manchester's and Leicester. Yeah, I, I hear you guys. And I, I also went for obviously Chelsea second, uh, Manchester United and Leicester. So uh, we've kind of got similar picks. I do want to kind of touch on what some of our followers and listeners are saying. So uh, Aaron underscore Aaron dot 40 said Chelsea to win the title. Uh, and Man- and Bryce dot Nichols said Man City. So kind of along the lines of what we're saying, top four. Uh, Beckham Minder says Chelsea, City, United, Liverpool. So he's going for Chelsea to win. Uh, and then someone said same as last year. So that's City, United, Pool, and Chelsea, Liverpool, and Chelsea. So kind of around what we're saying. Uh, a lot of other people feeling the same thing. But we move to the next category here, which is Europa League candidates. Uh, and I think, Jackie, that's what you were alluding to earlier, is you think Liverpool and Spurs may be uh, more suited for that. Yeah, I, I believe so. I think that based on how they've performed and the current quality of their squad, that's probably where they're going to be at. Honorable mention to Arsenal, I think they might be able to sneak in there as well. But you've got Leeds United that are pushing on the tail, not to mention Aston Villa that have looked brilliant last season. And now in the offseason, they've strengthened well, even though they've lost, lost Grealish. But for now, I'm going to stick with Liverpool and Spurs. Yeah, you, you don't think um, Liverpool, after what they did last season towards the end, to make it, you know, adding Con- Konate and then having Van Dijk back, they can't push further up? You know, I hate to be a pessimist, but I feel that when you go through an injury as serious as Virgil van Dijk did, he's still a top quality player, but we're never going to see the same Virgil van Dijk that that had been pre- pre- previous to his injury to, yeah. yeah so yeah. it's tough to stay I, I wish him I wish him well because he really was an excellent is an excellent player but we've seen it ourselves when a player goes out on such a horrible injury they're not always the same so he may need this season to get back up to speed yeah and so for that reason alone I think they're going to stay in the Europa League position whether it's fifth or sixth I can't tell you right now yeah yeah so Alex how about you yeah, I mean, I similar for me, I would say, I think Liverpool Spurs are going to be in the running there right to the end. And certainly Liverpool, yeah, with those defensive, the defensive strength coming after, they certainly had a tough year with injuries and then managed to go right to the end um, and overtake Chelsea, right. uh, who, which we probably didn't see coming for, for a little bit. They really came out of nowhere uh, with some late form, but as I've been saying to my friend who's a Liverpool fan for a while, they're just not being backed, not being backed in the right, in the right way. Yeah. Um, and I've said for years now that the Liverpool peak is just going to be too short. They won the Champions League, which was great. They won the Prem, which was great. Um, but now you have Klopp, who I could see him getting quite frustrated this season. Um, all it's going to take is another injury or two, uh, one of his star wingers in Salah and Mane not performing. Isn't AFCON also this season? Yeah. Will Salah and Mane be gone? I'm not sure about that. I'm pretty possible. sure they will, yeah. I mean, where is the Liverpool goal threat during that is my question. I suppose Jota had a solid debut season for sure, but I, I just don't think they've put the right pieces together, especially now having lost Wijnaldum uh, to PSG. I've I've told my friend for a while that Liverpool need a creative midfielder, um, an attacking type midfielder. I think maybe a Mount Havertz type right. would suit them really well. Now, not those. They're ours. Chelsea's <laughs> property. But um, they, they need some creative attackers, frankly, to fill that Coutinho gap. Right. Um, because as well as they've done with the money from his sale, I think they just need that extra spark. 
Uh, and without it, I see them in Europa League contention. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, and and you bring up Coutinho. He's not being picked at Barcelona. And is he, he could, available? He is, and he could be an option for Liverpool to kind of not splash the cash and get someone in with his quality for a much less reduced fee. Uh, maybe it's a rumor I'm about to start, but you never know. If there's a couple <laughs> I think Klopp's pride might be too much for that one. You, know, you never you know. know. What you guys are talking about, it's quite disappointing for a club of Liverpool's stature. Manchester City won the league. They just spent $100 million on Jack right. Grealish, where they already stacked in the middle and potentially going to spend another $100 million on a striker. Chelsea just come off the Champions League and spent $100 million on a striker. You would hope that Liverpool, who, who won the league and now had a bad season, mainly due to injuries, they didn't really support their manager, nor as a club have they gone out and looked in the right areas that Alex is alluding to. And really, for that reason, I think that's where they're going to struggle this year. So we'll see. Yeah, I agree with you. And I went for Liverpool, Villa and Spurs. Uh, but I did hear you say, Jackie, Leeds. And I think Leeds would definitely, based off what they did last year and some of the additions they've added to the squad, I think they could be up there as well. Right. Uh, and some of our listeners are saying it's .bap said Arsenal, West Ham and Spurs. So West Ham coming up West again. Ham as well. yeah. uh, I think West Ham with their European exploits this season may struggle a little bit. But again, you never know. And then uh, Mans.Hirdberg said Villa. So Villa, with like we said, with all the money they've spent and uh, what they did last season will definitely be up there. But uh, moving to the next category here is Golden Boot winner. And that's one always exciting because that's a lot of goals, obviously. But uh, for us Chelsea fans, it hasn't come to the bridge in, in a long time. So uh, with the addition of Lukaku, hopefully, you know, that that's something that he could win. But that's who I went for. Who did you go for, Jackie? I went for Lukaku as well, purely <laughs> out of optimism, pretty much just rounding out the fact that we have not seen a golden boot in Stamford Bridge in a long time. So I think it's we deserve it. And I, I wish Lukaku all the best that he's going to bring it home for us as well. Yeah, me too. I, and uh, Alex, are you about to complete a hat trick of Lukaku votes here? I, I think I'm hopefully mirroring his debut <laughs> performance with a hat-trick of selecting Lukaku. Um, now, with that being said, in a, in a sort of flip way, I wouldn't be disappointed if he doesn't win it because Chelsea finally managed to like split the goal load among our attackers. So if say Pulisic bags, double digit goals, if Mason Mount manages to break double digit goals, if Lukaku hits double digit goals, if Havertz uh, starts bagging goals, I would love to see our attackers share that load a little more. um, Cause often we do become dependent on a player or two. Um, and most recently, Jorginho was technically our, our top scorer, thanks to his penalty duties. So, which is props to him, but a little embarrassing that we can't right. find one of our attackers to break, uh, to break the penalty scoring record. Right. Um, I think this could be a great season. And in a way, having Lukaku, it almost, ha- ha- he, he occupies defenders thanks to his physicality, his Premier League experience. His, his relative pace, considering his size and strength, he's got some great, great attributes, really clinical. Um, and I think in that way, it almost frees that much more space for our other guys. For so others, yeah. you look at maybe Polisic's recent performances, a lot of people say, oh, he's, he's losing the ball, he's getting tackled, he's not progressing enough. Well, some of that comes when you don't have someone drawing defenders um, 
your dribblers, your creative players don't always have the same space to work. Now, when we had like a Diego Costa type bullying, occupying center backs, that leaves a lot more room for the hazards of the, of, of our team. Uh, even Willie and Pedro to find yeah. that little bit of space and make some magic. So I, I agree with Lukaku, but out of optimism too, but I would be absolutely fine for him to not shatter any record and for him to instead just level up our attack as a whole. Yeah, yeah. just really quickly, go sorry, ahead, Rahul. The, no, go the Chelsea of old in 04 through 08, our front line would share in double digits. You've got uh, Maluda, you've got Drogba, you've got Joe Cole, you've got Lampard. They were all contributing with double digits. Nobody until maybe 9-10 when Drogba had an amazing season. Yeah. But really, they shared an Anelka. Sorry, I forgot his name as well. But they would all get their 15, 20 goals and share the load. And it was, it was, it was just an amazing feeling to win as a team because you, you know that everybody carried the team, not just one person. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to that point, one of our listeners said, uh, obviously, the, there were a lot of votes for Kane and Lukaku. Uh, but Stubes West 365 said Timo Werner to finish as Golden Boot winner. And wouldn't that be satisfying after the year he had last season? Uh, second season he goes on and wins the golden boot obviously we're getting ahead of ourselves because we don't even know uh in terms of how the season goes but for him i think it would definitely be uh, a great thing if he does it and like we were saying sharing goals him of course getting the golden boot only means other players uh like lukaku and the guys you've mentioned uh obviously contributed but he he won it so uh exciting times and we move on to the golden glove winner uh, which is the best goalkeeper in the league, most clean sheets. Uh, and last season, it was between Ederson, uh, Mendy, and Martinez from Aston Villa. Ederson obviously won it. Uh, but I think this season, Ed- Eduardo Mendy will push on and claim that uh, award simply because he had a great season and, and he's going to push on. And under Tuchel's system, he t- typically tends to do pretty well uh, as, you know, in that position. So Mendy for me. But Alex, I'll start with you on this one. I, I agree. I think Mendy could get it just judging off how Tuchel has been able to regiment our defense um, with the three at the back. We haven't even uh, I've there's one particular very salty Manchester City fan who on Twitter always uh, starts feuds with me over how defensive we have been um, clearly owing to some residual uh, hatred after that UCL final humbling that we gave them. Um, And then I have to bring up the fact that in that game, Manchester City created, I think, the least uh, the least goal scoring chances since uh, they lost against Liverpool years ago, um, one nil. So it's just Ederson is always a great shout, but I feel like our defense is next level uh, so far from what we've seen under Tuchel. And especially if you're adding Kunde to that mix, who maybe. I mean, not, not, uh, that's another big transfer. I, I won't be begging for more after Lukaku, but <laughs> that has been a serious rumor. If we even further strengthen our defense, we've already won setting defensive records in the UCL. Um, we were great aside from that West Brom embarrassment uh, in the Premier League. I could absolutely see Mendy doing the, doing the business. And at first, I will admit, I thought he was being a bit shielded by our back line. Um, because maybe a goalkeeper, it's tough to always judge clean sheets on the keeper. Defense obviously has a huge part to play in that as well in terms of the quality of chances allowed, but Mendy has stepped up when called upon, so I could see him grabbing it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I picked Mendy. Jackie, how about you? 
Yeah, Mendy is a good call. It was a tough one for me. I was going to go with Mendy as well, but in the interest of keeping it slightly different and throwing a bone to Manchester City, <laughs> I've gone with Ederson. I think he's a wonderful goalkeeper as well, I must say. I watched him play for Brazil as well in the Copa America, and he's got very good qualities with his feet. Not necessarily that's going to help with the golden glove, but I just think he's a very all-rounded goalkeeper. And so for me, I think he's going to go for the golden glove this year. Yeah, and and Allison coming back in terms of Liverpool just kind of having a, a better defensive display could obviously be up there too. Uh, and Manchester United have added too. So you, you just, there's a lot of good goalies and, and defenses in the league. So it's not an easy award to win, but Mendy is definitely going to be up there. Uh, in terms of our listeners, again, Mendy Ederson had some shouts, but Phantom underscore Inc. 10 said Kepa. Um, and maybe he meant it as a joke, but Alex did mention the AFCON uh, tournament in January and Kepa is going to get a run out. So you never know. Maybe he pushes Mendy and claims, reclaims that top uh, first spot. So it'll be interesting to see. But we move to the next one, and that is uh, player of the year. So that typically goes to the, the player that's in the title winning squad. So um, I'm guessing one of you is going to be picking someone from Chelsea, but Alex, who did you go for? I I stuck with my optimism and went with Lukaku, mostly assuming that if we win and Lukaku is also the golden boot winner, as I'd predicted, you sort of have to give him player of the year, especially in his first season back in the Prem. Um, So that's, that was my shout, but it could be anyone, any Chelsea player. (laughs) It could be Jackie. How about you? I went a little bit different. I think for me, games are really won these days from midfield. Every every position obviously plays their part towards a winning season. But, you know, seasons where we've been really, really good as Chelsea winning titles was we've got Frank Lampard dominating midfields. Right. And then later on, Cesc Fabregas had some wonderful years dominating midfields for us. Uh, for me, it's going to be either KDB from Manchester City or Kante from Chelsea. And really it's come down to who can stay the fittest is what it's going to come down to, 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 for me, in my opinion, because I think that last season they were both in and out. And again, when they were in, both of them were incredible. And when they were out, <laughs> both teams were missing the some, yeah, some qualities there. So KDB or Kante for me, I think Kante, I would hope can be our player of the season again, or, or for the Premier League, because what he's done towards the end of last season and what he did in the Euros and just an all-round player. I hope that he can do it. So we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, definitely. I Similar to Alex's logic, I said Lukaku wins the golden boot. So uh, player, of the, uh, player of the year has to be Lukaku, even though I picked Man City to <laughs> win the title. There's, there's not too much I could give them. So I went with Lukaku. But um, seeing what our listeners and our followers said, Conte came up uh, and Mason Mount, who has been very good and should have won Young Player of the Year last season. So um, it's going to be interesting to see. And if he can push and win that award uh, if in a, in a Chelsea title-winning season, that would be great for him. Uh, just before I move on, I have a question for you guys. We've given Lukaku quite a few awards here. <laughs> um, 98 million. Is we Are we piling the pressure on him even before he's really kicked a ball for Chelsea in his second second stint here. Uh, Jackie, here's quick thoughts on that one. Lukaku was successful before he left England. He did it with West Brom. He did it with Everton. And as much as people criticize him, he did it with Manchester United. So coming back in for 9,800 million, he's a finished product. He just went out and got some European experience. 
the pressure is warranted, he should be able to do it. I agree. Alex, how about you? Yeah, I think there's no reason to baby him at this point. We bought him for the reason of coming in and leveling up our attack. And I wouldn't be heaping that pressure on if I didn't think he could deliver. I think he's in the form of his life. He's been in a press conference saying, you know, people talk about Lewandowski and Kane saying they're world-class. They always talk about good form for me. He said, I think I'm at that level where I deserve to be called world-class. And he certainly showed it in the most recent season. Um, At Inter, he's been fantastic, uh, helped lead them to their uh, first title in a while. So I think, yes, it's pressure, but it's it's a good kind of pressure because I think Chelsea fans are confident. I think he'll be confident in his abilities, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. But the best part is we have such good attacking depth. If, if heaven forbid, Lukaku is out of form, we also have Kai Havertz, one of the best young talents in the league. We've got Christian Pulisic, who's fantastic on his day. Hudson Adoy, who loves to attack. Ziek, who looks like a reborn machine. Mason Mount, who's an absolute beast, uh, both offensively and defensively. And Timo Werner, who we signed last summer window, um, and yet who, who still we know has levels more to his game that he can right. add, even though he was quite good for us and ended up with 26, 27 goal contributions in all yeah. uh, competitions, a bunch of penalties won. We've got crazy good depth, so... Yes, pressure on Lukaku, but at the same time, there are a lot of guys vying for those places. Yeah, I, I hear you and I agree with you. And you're making me rethink my pick for the Premier League winner, but I'm going to stick with Man City. So moving on to the next category, and that's young player of the year. So obviously a lot of good talent in the league, uh, but one player can win this. And Jackie, who have you picked? Another tough one. Like Alex mentioned names that are definitely already young players at Chelsea and Kai Pulisic. Mason Mount I mean just in Chelsea alone but I've gone a little bit different I think one man that's coming back to the Premier League in Jaden Sancho will probably surprise a few people in his qualities we watched him a little bit at Dortmund he's got a lot of pace a lot of finishing contributes to goals it's going to be good for Manchester United they needed somebody strong on the wings to help them so I think Jaden Sancho for me is going to be young player of the year yeah that's a very good shot Alex how about you I'm way too biased towards Chelsea in all honesty (laughs) Um, And probably you could say this for a number of players, but I think if Havertz continues um, what he, we know he's capable of coming off a great champions league winning goal, a great euros tournament. I think it's time to show everyone what he's about. We saw flashes of brilliance throughout the premier league. And obviously he had a tough transition. He got COVID for a while, which derailed some of his uh, performances and form. Um, It hasn't been easy for him, but just his progression throughout the year seeing as his first game for Chelsea, he got memed after pinging a pass out of bounds way away from every other Chelsea <laughs> player. And the last time he touched the ball for Chelsea was, well, I'm, figuratively, was right. putting it in the back of the net against Man City to win us the Champions League. You really couldn't draw up a better way to start and finish, and finish yeah. a better journey for a new signing and a young one at that. Um, and if he continues on that trajectory, I think it's a breakout year for him especially with if he can find a way to gel with Lukaku, we're looking at the best strike partnership in the league. Yeah. It's, that's exciting to just think about. Uh, and yeah, I agree with you. I think he's going to have a, a, a better year than he did last season. And 
Uh, he's kind of coming into his own in terms of, you know, expressing himself and doing the things that we know he can. So that's a great shot. I went for Harvey Elliott from Liverpool. Uh, he's been having a good preseason. He can play a couple of different positions. And I think, like we've said, with Liverpool not strengthening as they should have, he's going to get opportunities. And if he can take them and impress, uh, you know, that award is up there for him. Our listeners uh, have some interesting takes too. So Logan underscore seven has went with Bukayo Saka, who had a great year and, and you know, is a great shout. Uh, Josh underscore Bruce has gone for Armando Borja. Uh, and that's a Chelsea lad who's most likely on his way to Southampton. But um, if he gets the time, he could impress too. And then there's another shot for Saka and Foden from uh, James Cargill. So it's just the English talent, uh, you know, coming through and, and impressing. And it'll be good for the league and, and England themselves who, uh, you know, need need these players. So moving to the next category, and that is... On our Instagram, I called it a little bit different, but I'm trying to be respectful. Uh, so I'm going to go with disappointing signing of the season. Uh, and that's mainly due to down to the fact that they didn't perform like they were expected to. So I'm going to go with Leon Bailey at Aston Villa. Uh, a lot of potential, a lot of hype against his name. Uh, finally makes his move to England. Um, not sure if he will live up to or fill the boots Jack Relish has left. Uh, and so that's kind of why I've gone for him. Uh, but Jackie, who have you picked? This is a controversial one because when this name is said, a lot of people are going to start screaming and yelling. But I've gone for Rafael Varane. I think the centre-back position is... Many positions are very highly scrutinised, but the centre-back position is an easy one where a goal could quickly come from. And so you can really put your team down. Strikers are also highly scrutinized, but if they miss a goal, you don't necessarily lose a game. Right. If you concede a goal, you can lose a game. And I think coming into a new culture, a new country, different language, it might be hard for him to settle into. Now, I know Harry Maguire's there, and Harry Maguire's been doing well for Manchester United. Victor Lindelof has not been doing terrible, so I think this might actually end up lifting Victor Lindelof's game and maybe Varane wouldn't get as much game time as he's expecting. But again, a world-class player. So I'm, I'm just going to leave it out there that I think he might not have the best season that a lot of people are thinking he's going to have. So you gave Manchester United a little bit of credit with young player of the year and you've taken it back with disappointing signing of the season. That is correct. <laughs> uh, Alex, who have you picked? I personally have gone with Grealish. Um, call that reactionary in terms of not being particularly good uh, in their, uh, in fairness. I mean, he was subbed on late in the community shield match uh, when they lost against Leicester. Uh, I just think almost because of his price tag, which at this point we have to expect it's the English tax. We've talked about it, but a hundred million pounds. He's just not worth that. If we're being frank I don't think many players are worth that, but it's the way the market is. It's what it's what we knew um, Man City would have to pay to pry him from his boyhood club where he just signed a long-term deal. Um, so we knew it would happen. I still think he's just not quite necessarily going to get the... I mean, even game time isn't a guarantee because you say, you say, oh, they've just splashed $100 million on a player. He better perform well. You've got some fantastic players in there. You have your 
young player of the season. We can, we've, we've, our thoughts are clear on that one. <laughs> Mount was robbed, but you have Phil Foden, you have Riyad Mahrez, you have some fantastic talents who could absolutely keep Grealish from being a locked on starter. If he doesn't impress on this big stage, and he certainly has the ability to, but if he doesn't impress on the big stage, there is nothing stopping Pep, a man infamous for his rotation, uh, from from saying, you know what, I've got proven players who can come in and, and do this while you regain your form. So I don't know, maybe that one's, uh, he could absolutely come back, bite me in the butt and grab 25 goal involvements, but that's who I'm going with this time. But, and- Sorry, Pep's done that before where they had invested a ton of money in Zlatan Ibrahimovic at Barcelona many years ago. And after that, he just sent him back saying he wasn't the right fit for the club. So it's not like they've spent money before and, and, you know, ended it, ended it with, and he's signed many right backs and left backs in his time there for good amounts of money and they just don't make it. So he's not afraid to put somebody out if they're not the, the right fit for his squad. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think Jack Grealish, like you guys have been saying, is a great player, but he's not going to be the main guy. And that may affect him and, in, in, uh, you know, knock his confidence down a little bit. But uh, definitely an interesting one. I'm going to read a couple of the ones we got from our listeners. So Chelsea Blues News underscore 19 said Sancho. Uh, and it's dot Baps, I think, misunderstood the question, but I want to read his answer because it's kind of funny. He went with Martial. Martial. Um, and so not a new signing, but a player that's been in the league for a while and, and kind of has been disappointing the last few seasons. So uh, another one of those and could be his last one at Manchester United, but that'll be interesting to see. Uh, we move to the next one, and that is uh, signing of the season. So a lot of signings have been made, big signings, a lot of money has been spent. Um, I'm going to go with my golden boot winner. Player of the Year, Romelu Lukaku, as the signing of the season. Again, I feel like I'm putting a lot of pressure on him, but like you guys have said, it's warranted, and he comes in and has a job to do, and he's going to do it. Uh, So that's my signing of the season. Jackie, who have you picked? I have gone for another striker. He may not get the golden boot, but I think that this was a good investment from Aston Villa, taking that $100 of the flop that Jack Rudish is going to become (laughs) for Alex, of course, and invest that wisely. They've gone and picked up Danny Ings. And I think that Danny Ings, honestly, on his day when he's fit, is a real class Premier League striker, somebody who can lead the line. And a piece that Chelsea's missing, which is banging those opportunities. And so they've strengthened up front. Aston Villa really didn't have a proper center forward last season. They were kind of swapping out players here and there. I know they have Wesley that's around, but he, he also struggled through injuries. So if Danny Ings stays fit, I think he's going to be a really, really big deal for Aston Villa and push them towards those those Europa League spots like we were talking about. Yeah, that, that's a good shot. And that we said on, on not the last one, but the one before episode, that was kind of a signing that came out of nowhere. Um, and even though they have Ollie Watkins as a, as a striker, Danny Ings brings an experience and a different level of characteristic to that team. So that's a great shout. And uh, Warwick, he, Warwick Jack underscore agrees with you and said that's you know his signing of the season. Alex, who have you picked? I, like you, I have stuck with the idea that if Lukaku grabs the golden boot um, and player of the year, he certainly should be the signing of the season. Now, with that being said, I mean, having just almost out of nowhere 
hated on Jack Grealish. Now I'm envisioning him linking up with Kane and KDB and Foden and Mares in full flow. And I'm imagining him breaking assist records. So it's such a toss up at this point because you just don't know who's going to gel. But I would say I I'm, I'm confident in Lukaku for sure. I, I will say on the Grealish case, if Manchester City do manage to grab Kane, which I think is the dominant narrative at this point, that could be serious because if Grealish starts getting man-marked and, and being treated as the big threat for City, yeah. um, I mean, almost when, when Hazard was at Chelsea, people knew he was the threat. Hazard's ability was out of this world. He could still impact games. I think if Grealish gets marked out of it tactically or – uh, player to player, he could struggle. But when you have Harry Kane in the team, how do you not tell people that Kane is is the big threat? I mean, it it probably takes two center backs focusing exclusively on Harry Kane to keep him shut down. So that could be a game changer for how the players around him at City perform. Um, but I I will I will stick to my word, stay with Lukaku, and hope that Big Rom uh, bags the goals for us. Yeah, I hope so too. And uh, another name that didn't come up, but Buendia at Aston Villa could be a, a great signing and um, could do the job. So uh, we move to the final three. So we're coming to the final three categories here, and we start with the relegation scrap. So that's always interesting, always a, a, a battle pretty much to the last day. And uh, Jackie, who have you picked for your three to go down? Yeah, first of all, I'll say I'm not very confident that all three of these are correct. I think that we saw Newcastle struggle for a little bit. They survived. So you've got established teams. Southampton got dragged in, dragged into towards the end of the season. So you've got established teams that can sometimes get stuck in the mix. But I have gone for Brentford. They have just recently been promoted. So I think they may not be able to handle some of the transfers and things going on out there. Brighton. I think Brighton have a decent squad, but last season they were one of those that were yo-yoing between that relegation yeah. and survival. So maybe this season they might go. And again, like I said, I'm not very confident. And finally, Watford. I think Watford have a very good squad with Premier League experience. It's just a matter of if their manager can really step it up that level and tactically bring them to where they need to be. So I've gone for Brentford, Brighton, and Watford. Yeah, and, and those are three teams. I mean, two of those just came up and Brighton, like you said, almost went down last season. So uh, a good shout in, in them. I'm going to give you mine because I know Alex has a fun one, maybe not, but definitely uh, one to kind of save till the end. So I'll give you mine first. Uh, mine are Brentford, like you said, Jackie, Watford and Brighton as well. I think those three um, most likely are the ones, at least at this point, that looked like they would go down. Alex, I think you kind of agree with us maybe not but I'll let you kind of explain to to our listeners and to us who you've picked yeah I I too did have I had Wofford as one that might struggle I had uh Brighton I think now go, looking back maybe Brentford is is another good shout um they certainly I almost feel like they're they're attacking brand at least from what I've seen of them uh in recent seasons might take them over the likes of Brighton uh, who just don't traditionally create quite as much. But then again, Brighton did create a fair amount. They just wasted a lot of their chances yeah. last season. Um, I just now looking back, considering that Brentford have uh, sold, I believe Saeed Benrama was one of their real creative outlets. Um, he was great for them, but they sold him to West Ham. Obviously I think 
that could present difficulties. I also have Arsenal thrown in there. Uh, Arteta out might might be something that occurs. I guess that kind of uh, that kind of spoils the next category. But <laughs> I I could I, I'm I'm kidding. But also at the same time, they need something big to happen um, because you cannot. Uh, we make jokes about small clubs, big clubs, who's the biggest in London, small club mentality, yo, Chelsea, whatever, European trophies. You can you can take all the banter and throw it aside. If you finish eighth and then don't make some drastic changes, um, you can't be taken seriously. <laughs> Chelsea have had some horrific league finishes and then somehow thrown in among these really bad seasons, they will either win an impressive trophy during that season or come back and win the league the next year, you have to show some fight because every team is going to have crappy years, um, but you cannot make crappy years a habit. And that is what Arsenal are in danger of because the teams they're going to be facing are extremely strong. Uh, There are so many strong teams this year. And I think, I think they could be in trouble now. Will it be relegation material? Doubtful. Um, would I celebrate that <laughs> like a Chelsea Champions League win? Perhaps. <laughs> it, it, and it's interesting you say that because at one point last season, they were very close to that relegation, uh, you know, the, the bottom three. And then Chelsea gave them a Christmas present <laughs> and they turned things around. But uh, no, I, I, I don't think they would get relegated. But again, if they do, it's going to be interesting to watch and, and total entertainment to see the meltdown on, on social media. Um, and so just from what our listeners said, there was a lot of Brentford, there was Burnley that came up from Harry Wilkinson, which uh, Sean Dyche has done a great job, but to do that season after season could be tough. And, you know, it, it, it's a matter of uh, if they can continue that. Arsenal also came up by uh, Sophie Sihi uh, 1.0. So, Alex and, and this person are on the same on the same wavelength, uh, and Wolves another name that came up, which you don't associate with relegation, but with the changes that they've made in terms of manager and stuff, could be an option. So uh, it's going to be an interesting battle at the top and at the bottom. Uh, and the last second last category here is first manager to be let go uh, this season. Um, Alex, you. Is it, if it's Arsenal, it's got to be Arteta, but who have you picked? Yeah, more realistically, I've gone with Potter from Brighton. I just think if they have another disappointing season, um, I mean, I can't even... I, where did Brighton finish last season? Do you know off the top of your head? It was 16th, yeah. So okay. they're right about I, relegations. I, I just don't... I don't know. I mean, at the same at the same time, you would say, with all respect to Brighton... The, maybe I've played too much uh, FIFA, but when you go in and they say, these are your objectives for the season, I doubt like winning trophies is super high on the list for Brighton. Um, I think keeping them in the league is a fantastic job with the comparative resources they have. Um, But I could just see that going South. And usually teams that are in the relegation zone come Christmas, you see some turnover Um, because owners start saying okay let's let's try to see if we can we can get ourselves out of this situation and normally that means they call up big sam uh, (laughs) and a variety of other managers especially where is where is big sam right now is he i think he left um west brom was he at 
Yeah, well, yeah, he's no longer there, so he's he's might, available. <laughs> he might come calling. Uh, that's all I could say. Yeah, no, I I I, I get what you're saying, and um, yeah, I mean, when teams are down there, they want to make a change. And uh, Jackie, who have you picked in in this race for the first manager? You know, first of all, I'll quickly say that losing a manager halfway through the season is pretty tough. Chelsea, more than anybody else out there, know it. And we've lost some good ones in Mourinho, Frank Lampard through the season. And so hard to, to say. So I, I've just gone with a gut feeling here. I think Bruno Lag, Lage, I don't know if I'm disrespecting his name, but someone touched on Wolves getting relegated. And I right. think he, he's, a, he's a classy manager or quality manager from what I've seen in the history. I don't know him personally or I've not watched many of his games, but new league, huge change. I think what Nuno did at Wolves what he put his stamp on it maybe Bruno can pick up from where he left off but maybe not and I've also gone for another name in Patrick Vieira I know you guys heaped a little bit of praise on him early on in the episode but it's a new league it's different and like Alex had initially said I think for me our Frank Lampard's a little more solid than <laughs> Arsenal's Patrick Vieira and management so we'll see but those two names is what I've gone for yeah and those two like you said new to the league and and trying to adjust may not you know may not be able to do that in time and, and end up in a relegation scrap or um, just not be successful as expected but I went for Arteta and not because Alex thinks they're going to get relegated mainly because this season Arsenal are being covered by the Amazon team the all or nothing crew is going to be following them and just what happened to Spurs the last time this documentary was being filmed I think uh, Arteta might be might not have that much of a of a, uh, a stick to kind of hold on to in terms of what happened last season. So if Amazon wants some drama and fireworks, a firing at at the Arsenal manager's position may may get them that. So that's that's my reasoning for it. Um, and some of our listeners went with uh, Hassan Hootl came up, which is an interesting call because he's done a good job, but towards the end of last season, Southampton did slip. Uh, Nuno came up for Spurs uh, and Pep Guardiola came up as an option, which I, I mean, if things go south at City after spending 200 plus million, you never know. The board may say no, but it's it's very unlikely. So uh, the final category here, guys, and we're coming up to something positive. I didn't want to leave it at a sacking. So I said, let's do something positive. And that's playmaker of the season, assist king, like they say. Uh, and I can't think of anybody else but Kevin De Bruyne, especially with that attacking lineup that Alex has been mentioning with the players. It's going to be very tough to overtake him. Uh, so that's who I've picked. Jackie, who have you picked? I wanted to go with KDB, but I wanted to be a little bit different. I've gone with Jaden Sancho. I think he's got a mean cross on him. He's got that pace that we talked about. I picked him for my young player of the season as well. So for me, Jaden Sancho might be getting those assists that we're we're looking for. Yeah, and and with the attacking lineup they have in Marshall, um, Marshall, yes, but Edison Cavani, Bruno Fernandez, Rashford, that, that's definitely going to be uh, some goals that they'll put away. Alex, who have you picked? Yeah, I originally I did pick KDB for whatever reason. Uh, I almost can't. I almost feel confident guessing that he won't be the playmaker this season, simply because. I feel like there are a lot of other players who may be playing a more advanced role who have the potential to form a great strike partnership this season. Um, so like Jackie said, I think Jaden Sancho, if Cavani's looking clinical and Sancho is linking up, 
You could absolutely see that happening. If um, Kai Havertz forms a good partnership with Romelu Lukaku and Lukaku comes into form, I could see that developing into a really, really lethal partnership. Um, and even at some of the, the less, uh, I, I mean, I don't want to call them smaller clubs, but some of the non-big six sides, uh, as we've been discussing, these signings like Buendia, you could see them really, really bagging some goals. So a completely uninteresting pick, but I'm almost right now, I would call, call this a mark of respect to KDB that I'm going to say anyone but KDB as my pick, which sounds like a cop-out, but I just think I, I just think someone who may not normally be, be seen as, as a traditional playmaker uh, like Kevin De Bruyne is, I think it might be their time to shine this season. I'm hoping uh, for some Kai Havertz assist masterclasses with that silky link-up play, but um, yeah, there, there's my cop-out answer. I really can't choose. Uh, I think anyone but KDB. <laughs> hey, and if he gets injured, it is going to be anyone but KDB. So uh, it's a fair shot. And our listeners obviously said KDB. There was a couple of Kai, Havertz, Mason Mount. Uh, but our friend CFC.433 said Hakeem Ziyech. And I personally think that's a very good shot in terms of he's settled in. He knows what is required from him in this system. And He's done very well in preseason, so he may start off and continue like a house on fire. And if that happens, Lukaku, Kai Havertz, goals are just going to be flowing from Ziyech to these guys, and it's going to be an exciting time for us Chelsea fans. Uh, But that's kind of what we had in terms of our predictions. We covered uh, throughout the whole league different categories, and we'll look in throughout the, the, the rest of the year in terms of how we did with our picks, and then at the end we'll see who was the closest or maybe got them all right and Arsenal would be in the championship. Uh, But yeah, exciting times coming up. And uh, before we wrap this up, guys, our fantasy league is still open to join. So please go ahead and join it. It's uh, fantasy.premierleague.com and the league code is LQO. It's not zero. It's the letter O, 5K7. So join us and there's some exciting prices up for grabs at the end of the season. So uh we'll see who wins those but any parting thoughts from you jackie before you wrap this up no i think it's exciting to have the premier league back it's going to be like i said earlier in the podcast if i have to wake up early for anything it's worth it to wake up and watch chelsea hopefully win and it's been fun doing the game with you guys it's going to be exciting at the end of the season to do maybe a look back and see what we voted on and what the results were absolutely and waking up early means you can grab some kickoff coffee to keep you up uh, and and get the games going. Alex, how about you? Any parting thoughts? Uh, I can't wait to win the league, boys. <laughs> <laughs> there, I, love that's, the con- I love the confidence. That's all he has to say. So that wraps it up, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chels, Apple, Spotify, Google, and Instagram. And on Twitter, it's at Premier Chels. Please drop Alex a follow as well. It's at fc 22 And as always, send us your feedback and we will be back to do a Palace review and an Arsenal preview. So uh, stay until then, stay safe and up the Chelsea.